This is an ABC podcast. Remember how many hobbies you had as a kid? My hobbies are singing, dancing, writing my book series, basketball, mountain bike riding, surfing, skateboarding and video games. It felt like there was a new one every week. I like to play with Lego. Building cubby houses. Running, jumping and breakdancing. Your brain was on fire with all this activity. You didn't care if you were good or bad at these things. You did them anyway. Put on a play for your family. Sure, it was probably terrible. Decided you wanted to learn the guitar. Yeah, you were crap at it, but it didn't stop you because you loved it. They make me feel happy and relaxed. Because you can interact with your friends and you can just, like, have a good time. They help me be who I am right now. And then you grow up and life gets in the way. So what are your hobbies now? Yeah. Hobbies. Those frivolous things you did for the sheer pleasure of it might have just fallen to the bottom of the priority pile. And here's why that's a problem. When we don't have hobbies, when we don't give ourselves something outside of the grind of everyday life, we're starving our brains of something really important. Connection to ourselves. I'm Jan Fran, this is The Pineapple Project, and that's what this season is all about. Newsflash, experts say connection doesn't always have to be with people. It can be with things, activities, passions, aka hobbies. But in modern life, we have a flawed relationship with hobbies. We see them as indulgent, or as something that should be a side hustle or social media content, or a way to boost our careers. But actually, they're vital in combating loneliness and making us feel connected to ourselves and to others. Do we need to rethink our relationship with hobbies? I'm on a mission to find out why we need them, why they're so good for us, and how to get one. Where to begin? With the science. There are lots of benefits to engaging in hobbies. We're developing our ability to focus on the present, on the task. We're developing skills. We're developing resilience. And uh, we're getting engaged in, in life. Meet Dr Sue Jackson. She's a psychologist who says that the rewards hobbies bring us are massively underrated in modern life. She specialises in something quite particular. It's called flow. 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 Flow is that feeling of completely losing yourself in a task. And it turns out it's very, very good for you. So when we're in this particular state, all of our attention goes to what we're doing. So the activity, the task, and it's a state um, where 
all of our attention is onto what we're doing and we're not worried about ourselves, we're not worried about outcomes and we're not worried about past or future. So we're very much in the present. Oh, I want that. What's happening to your brain when we're in a state of flow? So the parts of the brain that um, have to do with us basically worrying about ourselves and what we're doing and are we, uh, you know, evaluating ourselves, are we doing this right and what's this person thinking of me, those parts of the brain go quiet and the parts of the brain that are focused on the actual activity and bringing the attention to the task, um, those parts of the brain um, get more active. So it's basically all of the thoughts that we would think that might give us anxiety or might kind of stress us out. They're the thoughts that tend to quieten down a little bit when we're in this particular state. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's exactly right. That the the thinking about yourself and also there tends to be in the part of the brain that has to do with us getting worried and, and anxious about things, that part of the brain also um, quietens down. So there's less anxiety and less worry about oneself. That sounds delightful. Uh, I mean, is this this a a magic pill that I need you to prescribe for me immediately to be able to feel this way? What's going on? Um, Unfortunately, I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't prescribe medication, Jan, but um, I have a PhD in psychology and um, I can talk to you about what's going on from the perspective of our thoughts and feelings and also not to disappoint you too much, but there isn't a magic pill as far as I'm aware that's been developed as yet. Okay. There is no magic pill, but it turns out that hobbies are a kind of medicine. I think hobbies are an excellent way to get into a state of flow. It can happen with any activity. Any activity can produce flow? Okay, before you set up a Netflix marathon, Sue says there's a catch. There needs to be an element of challenge. Like, it needs to be a little bit difficult to master. The basic prerequisite is that you are in a challenging situation that you have the skills to be able to navigate the challenge. So this is what's called as the challenge skill balance. Um, And it's very much an individual challenge skill balance. Therefore, it's um, for any individual, them moving up out of their usual situation of challenge, which will create a heightened state of arousal and then the attention may go to the task. It may also go to themselves and they'll end up in a state of anxiety. However, if they've got the skills and the confidence in their skills, then that skill set matches the increased challenge and that's what sets the stage for flow. Okay, so you sort of get there by doing something challenging and doing it over again until you're quite good at it. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think that's very um, that 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 sums it up pretty well. So that um, you need to step out of your comfort zone. You're not going to experience flow on the couch, um, flicking oh, the boo. remote. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> I was really hoping that I might get to a state of flow while binging Law and Order, but no, you're telling me. <laughs> right. Okay. So, can you give me an example? If we were to talk about. Um, something that that I do, for example, is ocean swimming. And um, um, one thing about ocean swimming is that the challenge is always changing because the the ocean is always changing. The conditions are always changing. And that's part of the reason that I really like it is because um, 
I have a, a skill set that then I've got to adapt to what is the challenge today when I jump in the ocean? What, what is it going to be like? Is it calm? Is it really rough? Big waves? Is there a current? Are there rips? And so on. And then navigating those challenges and, um, and knowing that if you do bring your attention and your skills to that situation, that you can experience flow and that that's going to be a different experience each time in, in that um, particular um, activity because of the constantly changing nature of the challenge. All right, confession time. I've got no flow. Flow. My hobbies are work, hair removal, feeding the cat, more work, scrolling Instagram and stalking my high school nemesis, who, by the way, is doing very well. It's annoying. In short, I have no hobbies. I used to have loads when I was a kid. Jen Fran, it's me, young Jen Fran. You love running and you love music and you love chess. And you love making your Barbies play mommy and daddy and kissing. Yes, thank you, young Jan Fran. Thank you. <clears throat> She's right. Okay, so I need something for beginners, but also something that requires a little bit of that skill, challenge, balance, matrixy thing. So I asked you, tell me your hobby ideas. Hey, Jan, have you ever considered becoming a plant mother? Hello there? No, I can't say I have. What's that? Well, it's someone who cares for plants and they can be all different sizes, but they're inside and it's super fun. Okay, and are you a plant mother? I am a plant mother for sure. I have a mini jungle and I'd love to share some things with you because it is so addictive and so rewarding. Meet Emily. Emily's hobby started small, with one tiny plant in a pot. But things have escalated. I have so many plants that as soon as people walk into my house, basically, the first response is, wow. You know, you have to duck around them to get through doorways and stuff. They're all different different sizes. Like, I've got little tiny ones on the windowsills, and then I've got ones that are taller than me. It really is like a jungle has exploded inside my house. I'm imagining a scene from Jumanji. Am I yep. in the ballpark? Mm-hmm, totally. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, so tell me how this hobby started for you. I think I've just always been drawn to plants. I think there's something about being in nature that I just really enjoy and I just really liked them. And then when I got my own place, I just felt like it needed a plant to make it more homely, you know? And so then I went, I went and got one and then I just, I just couldn't stop. Tell me exactly what's involved in caring for the house plants. What do you have to do to keep them alive and well? Well, for the most part, it's pretty simple. They all need water and they need light. So I have, because I have so many plants now, I actually have to use an app to keep track of when I've watered them. Stop it. Or when I've, yeah, when, or when I've fertilised them because I just can't, I can't rely on my memory anymore. There's so many. So are you just out here watering plants every day? Pretty much, Yeah. <laughs> It's really nice. It's really nice. You know, if you've had a really big day at work and you're exhausted, but you come home and then I've got this, you know, 
feeling of calm in my house and I can just go around with my little watering can and and give them all a drink and maybe give them a little dust and you know it's really it's really calming after a big day um but I love you know I love the colors and the shapes of the leaves and the textures like there's so many different greens but then there's plants with like you know pink speckles or uh white stripes or you know, and smooth and prickly and, you know, there's so many different variations that I think it's pretty meditative, you know. You just, you get in the zone and you're not thinking about all the things you have to do or your responsibilities and you're just in that moment and, you know, focusing on that one plant and how much water it needs and is it getting enough light. Um, You know, and you're not, it, it quietens your mind. You're not getting stressed thinking about the bigger picture. It's just those little details, and I really love that, just that quiet. That quiet. That's the quiet people with hobbies talk about a lot. Flow. It's the sort of peace that you might not get from going on a YouTube bender, but it is the sort of peace that you might get from, say, talking to plants that you've lovingly tended to. If I was to talk to my plant, I would probably say, look how beautiful you are. Look at that gorgeous new leaf you've popped out. Look at it unfurling. You're growing so well. Here's a little bit of water and I'm going to come back tomorrow and see how much you've grown. (laughs) I love that. See, this is the crazy part, right? No, that's the really lovely part. (laughs) To Emily, her plant hobby connects her to herself and occasionally to other plant parents. I've got to chat with a lot of people that I wouldn't have met otherwise and that I wouldn't necessarily have other things in common with, but we both really love plants and that's that's really nice. And it's a really lovely thing to share with people. And the great thing too, though, is that they you can propagate them, you know, so I'm always cutting off little bits for friends, you know, and we'll trade. And I really love that about it as well because I just, I get to share I get to share my passion with other people and that's really special, I think. Emily sounds so content. I'm actually a bit jealous of her. It sounds like she's got it sorted. She's got the flow. I'm going to road test it. I mean, I've got some plants on the balcony. I could do this. Hello there, uh, plants. How are you all going? I'm here to introduce myself. Hello, I'm Jan. I'm the other one that lives here. Oh, you look very cute there. You plant in the big pot. Very nice. Very healthy. And how are you? Small succulent in the corner. Are you? You're right. You you doing good? Well, it's been lovely. Um, good to meet all of you. And uh, excuse me, I'm just gonna head back in here. That was yeah. I don't feel any different yet. What else is out there, folks? I want you to imagine a group of about forty women in sequins, lycra, tulle, big hair. Lots of makeup. That's what my 80s dance troupe looks like. The choreographer, 
Each week she uploads a dance for us to learn. It takes about 40 minutes. The added extra for me is that I get to dress up in a ridiculous 80s outfit. Last year we performed at the Brisbane Festival, four teams competing against one another. It was ridiculous, it was over the top, it was joyous. And it was amazing to feel that confidence of walking through South Bank in Brisbane, one of the most public places in Brisbane, in a leotard. There was something very freeing about it. It's just fun. It takes you away from everything else that's going on, job worries, worries about having kids at home. It's just been amazing. Finally, big hair is being rightly celebrated. But sometimes you just need to get outside. I'm a gardener. That's my hobby. I'm working from home right now, so sometimes I sort of blink at my computer and find that I'm actually standing outside in the garden. It just clears my mind and most of the things I've grown have have grown, but um, they've also died prematurely due to pests. But that's okay. I think it's important to not put too much pressure on yourself. It makes me feel like I'm doing something sort of worthwhile and wholesome that's absolutely different to my day job. If you're measuring it by quantity of edible food, it'd be a big failure. But I love doing it and um, hopefully... One day I'll win a prize at the Easter show. Hmm. I do like the idea of winning a ribbon. Now here's a little something-something you might like if you're feeling crafty. That's my sewing machine. My hobby is sewing, in particular sewing clothes for myself. I got into it seriously about six years ago and I decided to start taking classes at TAFE on Saturday mornings and I got better at it and it quickly became an obsession and now I'm at the point where basically I don't really buy any clothes anymore. If I'm not in a particularly good mood, I notice that if I sit down and spend half an hour working on a project at the end, I feel so much better because With sewing, you really get this sense of satisfaction and creation and you can look at something and put it on and you know that you made it and you finished it and it's all yours and it really is this sense of achievement. The other thing about this hobby that I never expected and that really surprised me was that it turned out to be an amazing way to make new friends. I was contacted by other people in Perth who had set up a social sewing group, which I went along to, and that has just been amazing. It was a, it's a slow build. We all just take our sewing machines and sew, and we have, I guess, an instant conversation starter, and it's turned into a whole lot of real friendships and a a social life I never expected. Connecting to your pants and to other people? I like it. Time for a recap. Hobbies connect us to ourselves and to others. There are plenty of psychological benefits. And they just make us feel good. But what if you, like me, are having trouble finding one? I need reinforcements. We all know that one person in life who has a lot of hobbies. At any given moment, 
They're brewing kombucha, learning a new language online, and running to their after-work choir practice for cool adults. Well, that person in my life is Bhakti. My hobbies at the moment are gardening, painting abstract landscapes, and restoring furniture at home. She's so together, she works for a place called ABC Life. Bhakti will have some answers for us. I shall call her Hobby Buddy. Hobby Buddy. Hello. Hey, Bhakti. Look, I'm trying to get a hobby, but there's one thing that's holding me back. I'm scared about starting something new because I might be crap at it. Well, are you someone that puts high expectations on yourself normally, Jan? Well, what makes you say that, Bhakti? (laughs) We live in a pretty perfectionist society at the best of times. You know, we expect especially women to be perfect at the things that they try. Like what you just said was, what's the point of doing something if I'm not good at it? Yes, I did just say that, didn't I? And what would you say to a child who was completely new at something and they wanted to learn. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I'd probably encourage him to just have a crack, you know? Say something like, go on, keep trying, or... I'm so proud of you. Thank you, young Jan Fran. Yes, I might say that. Okay, that's good, that's good. I think I just needed to be talked to like a child for me to actually get it, you know? Start small get better. Yeah, you have to start somewhere and then get a little bit better and it's not going to be effortlessly perfect. You're not going to start and realise you're a brilliant piano player. That's not the point. Yeah. What do you think failing at something gives us? I think it deepens your relationship with yourself and by that I mean you know, we spend so much energy on our relationships with other people, on our families, our friends, our partners, dates, and I think children, if you've got children. And I'm a very, you know, I'm an extrovert. I'm a very um, uh, a social person. And I don't spend a lot of time thinking about my relationship with myself. And when I fail at something or when I'm really mediocre at something that forces me to kind of challenge something within myself that is it's it's a lot of discomfort and that is where I think the joy and the growth comes from is is being with that discomfort and noticing it and not judging myself and just kind of being uh, observing it being um kind to myself being fair and then just moving on and trying something else without um, beating myself up. Yeah. It's the process, isn't it? I mean, it's more the means and less about the end, which is where I think I've gone wrong with it as well. And also what <laughs> happens at the end, right? Like there is no end. You you know that with work. You never get to a point in your career where you're like, oh, well, I've done everything now, so <sighs> here we are. Yeah, tr- Everything's perfect. <laughs> True. I think they relate to each other and they've actually, doing the hobbies has helped me be more patient with myself when I fail at work. Mm. What do your hobbies bring to your life? Well, when I was painting on the, the just the weekend gone, I didn't look up for two hours. I didn't look at my phone. I didn't hear anything. I was in this complete peaceful mental space that I don't get from anything else. What would you say to people out there looking for a hobby who don't have a lot of time? Because I feel like that. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Let me break it down as I always felt like what I needed at the end of the day when I was really tired and had no time was just like, if I could have six hours of TV at the end of the day, that would solve everything, you know, like, or if I could just, if I could just like wallow and sit and do nothing. Yeah. That, that's my exact vibe right now. I'm binge watching Mad Men and I'm having seven to 12 sexual fantasies about Don Draper a day. So I have no time. It sounds like you have time. You just don't want to <laughs> do anything. Um, and so to that, I would say that I find it a lot more restful than I do when I'm watching TV or scrolling Instagram. Okay. What are your top tips when it comes to finding a hobby? Be ready to fail. That's my top tip. Be ready to be mediocre. Think about what you love doing or admired as a child that you just let go of because you think that it's childish or not serious enough for your grown-up self. And think about what do you see other people do that makes you absolutely green with envy that you wish you could do but that you, you think you never could. Start there. Think about what a pared back version of that would look like as a hobby for you. Thanks, hobby buddy. Hobby buddy. Right, so what have we learned? There are so many benefits to having a hobby. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make you money or help with your job or even feel like it has a point because doing something actively recharges us. So go ahead and try something new. You don't need heaps of time or cash, just a little imagination. Speaking of, I don't know about you, but this season of The Pineapple Project has really got me thinking about just how much connection makes life shiny and good. If this is the first episode you've heard, go back. Because in episode one, we learned about investing in the one thing that will keep us happier and healthier. One of the most important things you can do now for your well-being is to invest in your relationships. In episode two, we convince you to look over the fence. They made a gesture to me that was just so helpful and blew me away. I almost burst into tears. In episode three, you'll learn about the one thing we're doing with our phones that's actually really damaging for our relationships. At its very core, fubbing breaks that all-important connection between us and other people. And by the end of today, maybe you'll finally take up that hobby you've been meaning to. It takes you away from everything else that's going on. The point is, we don't just make this show for lols. We make it because making all these tiny changes in your life, backed by research, will keep you connected and future-proof you against a life that's lonely. Personally, I'm feeling better about the time that I spend investing in quality relationships in my life. I don't feel so dorky for saying hi to my neighbours. I'm putting my phone down around the people who matter most. Oh, and in case you're wondering, I've finally taken up that hobby that I loved as a child. And the great news? I am crap at it. And I'm okay with that. Young Janfran would be so proud. You did well, kid. Thank you, young Janfran. All right, move. Let me play this out. 
Roll the credits. This show was made with all of the following people at home. Recording under dunas. Battling against the noise of home renos. Steam cleaning. Toddler tantrums. And housemates. There was shitty internet. Technical challenges. Many late nights. A lot of chocolate consumed. And a few actual C words to get it over the line. But we did it. The Pineapple Project, The C Word, is hosted by me, Jan Fran. Produced by Carla Arnold. Does this show make me a life coach? Hey, what's up, everybody? The executive producer is Monique Bowley. This podcast forced me to get to know my neighbours. And it's good. Mixed by audio engineer Matthew Crawford. Please get that phone off the dining table. Yeah, see, that's better. With special thanks to Tamar Cranswick and Rachel Fountain. Music composed by Russell Stapleton. The role of sexy phone was played by Osher Ginsberg. (laughs) The role of my husband, Al, was played by my husband, Al. I support your choices. Young Jan Fran was played by Sydney Liddy. And Kelly Reardon is the manager of ABC Audio Studios. My neighbours have asked me to stop leaving them baked goods. This is a production of ABC Audio Studios. The Pineapple Project. The C Word. It's connection done good. Before we leave you for the season, we've got one last thing to tell you. And it's about something that we're all going to experience at some point. Loneliness. It's a big problem. You know, when we're hungry, we have no trouble eating, you know, and if we're thirsty, we have no trouble drinking. But when we're lonely, a lot of us ignore it. So we gathered 90 people in a room to find some solutions. Do you sometimes cancel plans because you can't be... Don't say yes to a Sunday morning fun run at 6am if we know we're going to Oktoberfest the night before. That's up next for a special final hurrah of this season of The Pineapple Project. Hey, Miff, do you have any hobbies? I've got heaps, Anne. Um, There's drinking and crying. What about you? (laughs) Well, I love forensically analysing music and pop culture and art and life and stuff. Oh, yeah, you should make a podcast. I'd listen to that. Um, Miff, we do. Bang. Bang. Bang on. If your hobbies include consuming massive amounts of pop culture and having interesting conversations, then join me, Zan Rowe. And me, Miff Warhurst. For all the conversations you need to be across this week, but don't have the time to read the think pieces for. So many think pieces. (laughs) We are the cheat's guide to the think piece. Bang on. It's what we're all banging on about in your ABC Listen app or wherever you find your podcasts.